not the most athletic. Like I play like recreational league sports and I was on like my high school's dance team. But other than that, I wasn't an athletic human. I just kind of felt like I was like, okay, I had felt relief from these symptoms that I at the time felt like was a death sentence and was ruining my life and all these other things. And I was like, I need to find something to do so I don't get back to that place and this doesn't happen again. Because I was like, I is emotionally trying as, and physically as well, as that whole diagnosis and treatment was, I was like, I never want to do that again. Like, I don't know that I can handle doing that again. Hello, and welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Dr. Julie Fouché, family physician and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring you information and inspiration to help bridge the gap between fitness and medicine and support your journey toward your healthiest self. This episode is one of a series of Pursuing Health stories. Here, I feature the inspiring stories of regular, everyday people who've used lifestyle to overcome some incredible health challenges. This week's story features Katie Spilka, who shares her story of being diagnosed with a rare autoimmune disease called scleroderma at age 16, and how CrossFit and a positive outlook have helped her to put her symptoms into remission. Before I dive into the episode, I do want to make it clear that this podcast is for general information only and does not provide medical advice. I recommend that you seek assistance from your personal physician for any health conditions or concerns. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm really excited to be here with Katie Spilka, who um, has an incredible story with an autoimmune disease, scleroderma, and is also a CrossFitter and also a nurse. So we have lots of things to talk about. So thank you so much for joining me and being willing to share your story here. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Me too. Um, so I think something that's super interesting about your story is that you were diagnosed with scleroderma at a really young age, around mm-hmm. 16. And typically this mm-hmm. is something that's diagnosed, you know, in, especially in women, maybe in their 30s, 40s, around that time frame. So can you just give us a background of, you know, what your health was like growing up and then how did you end up with this diagnosis at such yeah. a young age? So um, it all kind of started. So like a little backstory, my mom has um, like connective tissue disease, a lot of autoimmune diseases. Um, okay. So that's kind of how we got the feel that this might be what's going on. Um, so I was having Raynaud symptoms um, when I was 15. So it's Mm -hmm. like I would go out in the cold and I didn't tolerate it well. It's like half my fingers would be white, turn blue, turn Mm. purple. Um, It eventually got really painful. And then it took forever after like coming inside to warm up. And it's like even walking in the grocery store down the freezer aisle, I was like having these spasms of it. I'm like, okay, this is not normal. My mom has this. I told her about it. So she's like, okay, cool. Let's go to your pediatrician and see what they have Mm -hmm. to say. Um, so I saw my pediatrician and she was like, this doesn't happen in girls your age, basically kind of like blew me off, told me I was being dramatic. And she was like, you're fine. Um, You're just living in Cleveland in the winter and it's cold. Right, right, (laughs) for sure. And so I think definitely my mom having this backstory of all these issues definitely helped because she really advocated for me and was Mm -hmm. like, uh, no, something's not right here because I have these same things that go on. Yeah. Um, so she made me an appointment to see a pediatric rheumatologist at Rainbow. And I went to see her for the Raynauds initially. 
And she was like, oh yeah, you definitely have this. She's like, this is not mm-hmm. normal. Um, mm-hmm. You shouldn't be experiencing this. And so at that point, um, all we really did then was she started me on amlodipine um, okay. to help, which for people who are like, why are you taking a blood pressure medicine? Um, <laughs> basically when you have Raynaud's, it's your capillaries constrict and you don't get the blood flow. And that's what causes the numbness, tingling, color change, pain eventually. Um, so the purpose of that was to hopefully dilate my capillaries, get the blood flow, not cause long-term damage to my capillaries mm-hmm. then. So she gave me that. And I don't know if it's like six months or a year. She was like, oh, let's just keep following up, see how you're doing. Um, so my next appointment I went in for her, um, she just kind of asked me like the basic questions they ask you at a rheumatologist. She mm-hmm. was asking me about like joint pain and joint tightness. And she's like, when you wake up in the morning, do you feel stiff? If so, for how long? How long does it take for your joints to feel okay in the morning? Um, And then just went through like a whole slew of other questions. Like she was like, any trouble breathing, shortness of breath, trouble swallowing. And I'm like, well, actually, I tell my mom every time I eat pancakes, it gets stuck in my throat. And she's like, okay, that is really not normal. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was, I was telling her about my joints. I'm like, yeah, when I wake up, I'm really stiff. Um, I'm really uncomfortable and it takes like a couple hours for me to kind of feel okay in the morning. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we were just, oh, she was looking at like my hands and my joints and like for my age, my fingers looked kind of like arthritic, (laughs) which isn't really normal at 16. Um, And my skin was tight. So like the biggest thing that she noticed is like, as you can see, like right here, your skin should be Mm kind of loose. You should be able to like grab onto it. And mine was mm-hmm. tight. It's like you couldn't pull it. Um, she was just like looking at my hands and my joints. Like I could not put my hands like this, like together. Mm-hmm. I, like I had contractures already. And wow. I didn't realize that these things weren't normal because I'm like, mm-hmm. what do I have to base it off of? If like for as long as I can remember, I felt this way. Mm-hmm. And, I and probably your mom these... had similar symptoms maybe. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So it's like, I don't know anything different. So I didn't know to know that these things weren't normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as she's kind of doing my exam and talking about this, she was like, so I think <laughs> that you actually have this disease. And she goes, I'm not sure though, because it's really weird that you would have it. She was like, mm-hmm. girls your age don't get it. She's like, you get it when you're like 30s to 50s. Mm-hmm. So she um, sent me for a second opinion. So she sent me to Pittsburgh Children's. They have um, a clinic there once a week where they see pediatric patients with scleroderma and they mm-hmm. specialize in it. So she was like, if this is what you have, I kind of want to start like a fairly aggressive treatment. And mm-hmm. I want to make sure that you have a second opinion before I do all of this stuff to you. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So, um, she sent me there and, um, so it was in April. Um, Mm -hmm. I went to Pittsburgh to see this doctor and she was awesome. Oh my gosh. It's like so cool seeing someone who is so knowledgeable on Mm -hmm. a topic that it's like, you don't even know exists. And (laughs) of course me, like, here's me 16 years old. I'm like kind of confused as to what's going on. Um, so me and my parents, um, go and see her and I have my appointment and she's kind of examining me and telling me what she thinks, um, what course of treatment she would be. And then halfway through my appointment, there's a knock on the door and this guy comes in and he's like, Hey, I'm a plastic surgeon. I want to take a look at your hands. And I'm like, 
oh, I'm like, why, why do you want to look at me? Um, and so he starts looking at me and like how bad my contractures were. Um, mm-hmm. And he was talking about how, well, you know, there's surgeries we can do to kind of loosen these up. And here's wow. me. I'm like, whoa, like I, this is so this far from me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that same day she was like kind of talking about my other symptoms with me. And she was like, okay, well, I want you to go see a pulmonologist. I want you to go see a neurologist. Um, we're going to send you to occupational therapy today. Um, I'm also going to put you in this research study I do. So they're going to take wow. a ton of blood from you afterwards. Um, so it was like very overwhelming, but I mean, very it made sense. Like mm-hmm. she was like, okay, you're feeling short of breath. And I'm like, well, I always thought like my siblings have exercise induced asthma. So that's always what I thought it was. And then she's like, mm-hmm. well, you could have pulmonary fibrosis, pulmonary hypertension, like with scleroderma, the excess production of collagen mm-hmm. um, could be thickening your lungs. Um, I had a lot of weakness in my hands. So she was like, well, I want you to see a neurologist and make sure that this isn't something else and that it's mm-hmm. related to your joint weakness. Mm-hmm. Um and then like I was having trouble swallowing. So she's like, okay, well, let's do a barium swallow and make sure that there's nothing else going on that we don't know about mm-hmm. because scleroderma affects your GI tract um, and your esophageal dysfunction. Um, and then I went and saw an occupational therapist that day who was like, well, and she has this little device and she's like, let's test the strength of your hands. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> and so she's like, okay, squeeze this thing as tight as you can. And I was, and she was like, okay, squeeze it a little harder. Oh, I was like, this no. is all I've got. And so she was like, astounded <laughs> by how weak I was. And I didn't really know it. Like I had no grip strength. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just like all these weird things that I didn't know were abnormal, I guess. Until yeah, I you were saw just her. living your life. Yeah. Living your mm-hmm. life and you thought they were all normal. Wow. Yeah. So obviously that's, very overwhelming in the first, you know, just to find out, okay, this is what's going on. And now going to see all these specialists and doing all these tests, other than being overwhelming, um, how did that make you feel as a 16 year old? Like, did you feel relieved to know that, you know, you were finally looking, you were looking into all these things and and trying to figure it out? Or was it just overwhelming? And like, I'm 16, I just want to live my life. Um, I think it was definitely both. Like, at mm-hmm. least in the back of my head, it was like, okay, at least I'm not crazy because my pediatrician was telling me, mm-hmm. hey, you're a hypochondriac. There's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Stop thinking things are wrong with you. So it was nice to feel validated. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, it was still like very overwhelming. And on top of all of this, um, when I went back to Rainbow to see my rheumatologist, she was like, I think that you need to go see a child psychologist and see how you're coping with this because like this is not normal for someone mm-hmm. your age to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, so then she sent me there to be evaluated and to just like see how I was doing. And I didn't realize how not well I was doing yeah. until she sent me to like see someone and talk to someone because like you were saying, it's like, I just want to be 16 and do mm-hmm. normal things and live my life. And I obviously was not able to do that, especially once I started all my treatments. So it was, yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. What were, what were some of the things that were helpful for you during that period of, I mean, maybe talking to the psychologist or, or things that were helpful for you to be able to still be a normal 16 year old while you're dealing with all of this? 
Um, so initially I was very open about it, like to my friends mm-hmm. and had them to talk about it. And I would kind of like joke about things. I was like, oh, I'm going to auto amputate. It's no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> like there were just like little things and I would try to joke about it as much as mm-hmm. I could and like make light of it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, also like I'm 16, I don't understand it. My friends who are also 16 definitely don't understand Mm-mm. it. Um, and it definitely helped uh, that I had the support of my parents because my mom had gone through not the same thing, but with her mm-hmm. health, she had had a lot of, um, things happen too. So it was definitely mm-hmm. nice having my mom there for support. Yeah. And I love what you said about your mom advocating for you early on, because mm-hmm. I think that's a common theme that's so important is that, you know, we all need, whether it's advocating for ourselves or, or if we can't advocate for ourselves, having someone to advocate for you mm-hmm. in the healthcare system, because otherwise, like, who knows if your mom hadn't had the experiences she had, maybe you would have just listened to your first pediatrician and said, okay, like, maybe it's nothing and gone on living your life. It could have been years before you actually ended up figuring out what was going on. Yeah, definitely. So that was nice and very, very helpful in the long run. And like, at the time I was like, mom, leave me alone. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Of course. And now looking back, I'm like, okay, thank you. You were right. <laughs> Thanks, <mom. laughs> uh, yes, aren't parents the best? Yeah, um, definitely. So then, then what happened? So you have all this initial workup, you're kind of figuring out learning what this condition is and learning how to cope with it. What did the initial period of treatment look like for you? So initially, um, so they had sent me for like CTs, MRIs, um, I got an echo done, pulmonary functions test, EMGs, mm-hmm. which are horrible to anyone yes, who I hear that knows the what they are. They're terrible. Uncomfortable really test ever. <laughs> um, I, like I said, I had to go do a barium swallow and evaluate like my GI tract, um, blood work. I was in these research studies. Um, she sent me to occupational therapy. So all of that was kind of overwhelming at first. And then, um, as far as like medication goes, I got back from Pittsburgh and she had agreed with, um, the original diagnosis from my pediatric rheumatologist at rainbow. Mm -hmm. So I came back and went back to see my rheumatologist and she was like, okay, perfect. This is the plan I have in mind for you, but I'm also moving across the country. So I'm going to send you to another rheumatologist who is really going to like decide your plan of care. Um, so I started seeing rheumatologist at rainbow. Her name's Dr. Brooks and she is the most incredible human in the world. Um, she was very aggressive starting my treatment. Um, so she was like, okay, we're going to keep you on the amlodipine. We're going to start you on a proton pump inhibitor for your esophageal dysfunction. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to start you on Plaquenol to try and prevent this from getting any worse. Um, What else did I take? Oh, we're going to start you on steroids. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to start you on methotrexate, which was not fun. So yeah, that's a lot. Those are a lot of heavy hitters. Yeah. So I ended up being on methotrexate from the time I was 16 until right before I turned 21, I think. Okay. Um, so it was a long time of that. And out of all of my treatment, definitely like the steroids and the methotrexate were mm-hmm. the heaviest on me, like mm-hmm. emotionally too, like seeing changes in my body from them was really mm-hmm. hard. Um, so it's like, as soon as I started taking the steroids, I started getting that like mooning face that everyone yeah. gets and like, 
Well, my mom thought it was really adorable that I had this <laughs> face. I definitely didn't think that. No, and not as a it, teenager. Like, wasn't fun as a teenager to kind of feel like, oh my God, I hate that I look like I weigh like 10,000 pounds now that I'm on these mm -hmm. steroids. Um, mm -hmm. And then the methotrexate was terrible and the mm -hmm. hardest part of it because it's like, she was like, okay, we're going to do injections for the first year or so. Um, mm -hmm. Once we start seeing some good results and we can transition you over to taking pills. And so they have you come in for like this consult where a nurse goes over like how to give yourself shots. Mm -hmm. And it's really mentally tough giving yourself shots. Yeah. It's like, I don't know why, but it's like the idea of it. Um, she's like, okay, plan a day to do it every week. Um, mm -hmm. And I would pick a weekend day to do it because after doing it, I would feel sick and feel like mm -hmm. crap. Um, mm -hmm. So I'd be like nauseous and tired for a couple of days after. And then I finally start to feel okay again. And then, oh, mm -hmm. it's time to do it all over again. Oh, um, so it was like a cycle of not feeling fantastic all the time. Um, and it would, I would literally sit there and it would take me like an hour or two just to give myself this silly little shot. Oh, wow. Because it's like, I don't know why. It's just like mentally, it's weird, like poking mm -hmm. yourself with a needle and being 16 years old and being like, yeah. okay, why am I doing this? Um, so that was definitely really tough. Like you don't have enough things to deal with as a 16 year old. Right, right. <laughs> being in high school and everything that comes with that on top of right. having side effects from medications and having to give yourself shots. I mean, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was not fun. Wow. So you said you were on a lot of these medications up until maybe early 20s. Um, mm -hmm. At what point did you decide to go into nursing and did any of this experience have um, an impact or that influence your decision at all? So originally I was so inspired by Dr. Brooks that I told yeah. her I wanted to be a rheumatologist. Yeah. <laughs> so I go into college starting like off as a biology pre-med major. Because uh -huh. I was like, I had this incredible doctor who had so much influence on my life. And mm -hmm. like, I don't think that I would be where I'm at now without her. Mm -hmm. um, so I go, I this is what I want to do. So I started mm -hmm. off on this like bio pre-med track. And I was like, okay, it's going to be years before I actually like touch a patient. Yeah. So that's <laughs> when like my thought kind of shifted from this to nursing. And mm -hmm. that really, I just wanted to like take care of people. Um, mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I made that switch then mm -hmm. and went into nursing. <laughs> that's incredible. That's so incredible. And um, you were telling me before we started that now you're working um, in labor and delivery, but mm -hmm. what has been for you the most rewarding parts about being a nurse? Um, I think definitely like having patients that like I was telling you earlier it's so nice mm -hmm. taking care of people who like want to be in the hospital mm -hmm. um and it's just especially like delivery I always tell my patients I'm like this is such like a special and intimate moment of your life yes um that you get to experience with like your significant other and it's just like nice to support someone during mm -hmm. that and it's like this is something they remember forever forever yeah it's incredible I always that was always my favorite place to be in the hospital because it's probably the only place where people are there for a really happy reason, you mm -hmm. know, and it's yeah. so amazing to be a part of that. And 
to be by their bedside the whole time and like get to know them and be able to support them through that. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Okay. So you had a lot of side effects from medications, but you also said Dr. Brooks has such a huge impact on your life and you wouldn't be where you were today without her. So what impact did all the medications and the care that you were getting have on your symptoms? So I started um, the methotrexate and like within a year um, of doing the injections, I definitely noticed mm-hmm. like my skin was not as tight. Okay. Um, I was still like sore and having those general arthritis symptoms, which like I still have today. I don't think those mm-hmm. are ever going away. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like my contractures were better. Like before I couldn't straighten my fingers all the way. And then wow. as the years went on of being on it, I was like able to do this again, which was Yay. really cool and exciting. <laughs> like put your hands and, together. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that was like my biggest symptom that I noticed improving. Mm-hmm. And then obviously like the GI side effects were better. Um, mm-hmm. And it wasn't until like I started CrossFit years later that like mm-hmm. my grip strength and things like that improved. I really didn't notice mm-hmm. those kind of differences from it it was mainly um, like skin related, which was Mm -hmm. the biggest thing that she was concerned about at the time. And like, okay, let's not let this overproduction of collagen affect all of your internal organs as well. So I'm sure it helped there also. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you end up finding CrossFit? And when did you start? So I was 20. So it was right after I stopped um, my like methotrexate. I was still on a lot of my other medications. Um, But I had been done with the methotrexate. Um, I think I don't know, like I saw it on Instagram or something. And I saw these Uh cool girls like you and Brooke Wells, like Uh doing all this crazy stuff. And I'm like, how do they do that? (laughs) I go, that looks so fun. So I literally I literally went on Google and typed in CrossFit gyms near me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I found this gym, CrossFit Mantra, and I've been going there since for almost five years now. Wow. Um, I've been going there since, and I went in for like an intro class, and mm-hmm. um, it was like six in the morning. I went all by myself. I was really nervous. I didn't even like tell my friends. I was like, are my friends going to make fun of me? Um <laughs> So I was super nervous and I went in and I had so much fun. It was like a cool environment. I had never done anything like this before. I mean, like prior, Mm -hmm. I would go to like Planet Fitness or something. Mm -hmm. Nothing wrong with Planet Fitness, but I, that's just all I had done before and all I had known and it was very different. Um, So I started um, going there and it was one of the better things to ever happen to me. Like I met my husband there too. Fun fact. (laughs) Oh, so it all, um, on top of like having positive impacts on my health, um, mm-hmm. I met my husband as well. So that was really cool. <laughs> so very life changing in many ways. Right, <laughs> right. For sure. That's incredible. Um, and that's great. I've, I think I've actually been to CrossFit Mantra, um, when I lived in Cleveland at least once. Um, and it seems like they have such a great community, but did yeah, you, you said you had awesome. never done anything like it before. Did you play any sports growing up or had you ever done weightlifting or anything like that or what do you think it was about it because I know it's it's just so intimidating for people to start but what do you think it was about it that really caught your attention 
Um, so I was not the most athletic. Like I played like recreational league sports and I was on mm-hmm. like my high school's dance team. But other than okay. that, I wasn't an athletic human. Um, I just kind of felt like I was like, okay, I had felt relief from these symptoms that I Mm -hmm. at the time felt like was a death sentence and was Mm -hmm. ruining my life and all these other things. And I was like, I need to find something to do so I don't get back to that place and this doesn't happen again. Because Mm -hmm. I was like, I is emotionally trying as, and physically as well, Mm -hmm. um, as that whole diagnosis and treatment was, I was like, I never wanna do that again. Like, I don't know Mm -hmm. that I can handle doing that again. Yeah. So I knew that I needed to do something and um, I just thought this might be it. Yeah, that's amazing. Once you started doing CrossFit, what were some of the changes that you noted or noticed either, either mentally or physically? Um, so physically, when I first walked in there, like I couldn't even hang from a rig. Like my yeah. grip was mm-hmm. so terrible. I would like jump up and hang for like a second. And I wouldn't be able to do it. Um, Anything that had to do with like my grip was horrible. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's still not fantastic because. Yeah, but yeah, it's a lot of things in CrossFit, barbells, kettlebells, rings, rings, everything. Wow. Right. So um, this has definitely helped like immensely. Um, Mm -hmm. But that was like the biggest thing that I noticed when I got there. I was like, oh, I really can't do any of these things because I feel like I can barely hang on to things. Um, So the grip strength was huge. Um, Mm -hmm. Just like my general strength in general. Like I remember the first time that I cleaned 85 pounds. I thought it was like the coolest moment of my entire life. And I had just started dating my boy, well, my husband at the time. Uh And I was like, oh, I want to look cool. I want to look like a strong girl. (laughs) I thought that was like the coolest moment of my life at the time. That's amazing. And it's just like... So it's empowering to be strong and be able to like do cool things with your body. And so I think like overall, that's definitely impacted my mental health that was obviously Mm -hmm. hurt from like my diagnosis and my treatment. Um, Mm -hmm. And just seeing like changes in your body is cool too. I mean, like I was never like an overweight person growing up. I was very average. Mm -hmm. Um, and just like seeing changes in my body because I've gotten stronger is empowering and really cool. Yes, that's amazing. Um, and so cool that that's normal now, right? That that women are like, yeah, I want to look strong and lift weights in front of this guy that I like or something. Right? And that's a cool <laughs> thing to do instead of like, oh, I don't want to get too bulky or, yeah. or whatever. And I have the same exact memory the first time I cleaned. I think it was 85 pounds. It was with 25 on the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember it like feeling so heavy. Like I barely made it up yep. to the top and was just like <laughs> struggling so much, but it was the most empowering thing ever. Yes, definitely. Um, <laughs> that's so awesome. Um, and you then, then talk about what happened as far as your scleroderma treatment over the past several years since you've been doing CrossFit. Yeah. So um, when I started, I was, off of the methotrexate, I was off the steroids, but I was still taking um, my Plaquenol, my Amlodipine, my proton pump inhibitor, and I can't even think of what else. Um, but I was still taking a bunch of stuff. And yeah. so my doctor, Dr. Brooks, that I saw, um, I went in for like a normal appointment one day, 
and she was doing my exam, whatever. And she was like, okay, I have something to tell you. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh my God, she thinks that I'm getting sick again. Like I was really worried. And mm-hmm. she was like, so I'm leaving and I'm going across the street to the Cleveland Clinic. Oh. And I was like, <laughs> no, because at the time, like my insurance was with UH. I had always okay. gone to Rainbow. That's where I got my treatment. And mm-hmm. I thought like the world was ending. I started crying yeah. in my appointment. I was like, Aww. I don't know what I would have done without you. Like mm-hmm. I, like who knows like what my health would be and I wouldn't be mm-hmm. here like I am today without you. Um, and she's like, well, I have this other doctor that I'm going to refer you to because she was peds too. So she was like, yeah, I'm going to refer you to um, an adult rheumatologist and mm-hmm. you're going to see him and he is great. Um, you're going to love him. And I guess I really don't think that if I would have switched doctors, I don't think I would have gone off of my medications like I did. Okay. Um, uh-huh. Because she was very, she's very old school in the fact that like, this is our regiment, this is what mm-hmm. we're doing. And I think I was like, I had not wanted to be on so many things for a long time. Like mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to be as clean as possible with what I was putting into my body. Um, mm-hmm. Especially um, since starting CrossFit, I kind of want to be like, yeah. I want to get all of this, anything that could be potentially toxic, I want out of my body. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had been wanting to come off of my medicine, but I think I was too scared to ask her. Mm-hmm. So then when I went to see this other doctor, I brought it up like my very first appointment with him. I was Mm -hmm. like, Hey, I go, I have been doing good for a couple of years. Like I've been Mm -hmm. in remission. Uh, I go, what is your opinion on me kind of like cooling it on some of my medications? I go just because like I explained the same thing. I want the least amount of stuff in my body as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he kind of like thought about it and was like, I feel like by now you are very educated in this. Like you have Mm -hmm. been, living this the last what probably six years at this point mm-hmm. um he goes I'm going to give you all of the information I can and then we'll talk about it and it will be your decision what you want to do so mm-hmm. then he started telling me as far as um my plaque when all goes he was like okay well as far as autoimmune diseases and connective tissue diseases yes it has an effect he goes I have not seen seen enough research that supports it having any effect on scleroderma. So he Mm. goes, we can try coming off of it Mm -hmm. and seeing if you start developing symptoms again, if you do, then it's over. We're going back on it. Mm -hmm. Um, and same thing with like some of my other medications. Um, he was, he was really iffy about me wanting to come off of a proton pump inhibitor, but here's me Mm -hmm. on the other hand who like asks Dr. Google everything and yeah. Like, well, if I take this for a long time, then I'm going to go into kidney failure and I'm going to be on dialysis <laughs> and I'm going to die from that. <laughs> so he was like, well, let's make a deal. Um, yeah. We can try coming off of it, but should you have any symptom, like I highly, highly recommend you going back on it because mm-hmm. I don't want this getting worse and us kind of falling into this thing that we were Mm -hmm. in before and we work so hard to get out of so I kind of like badgered him about it and was like I just want to try it Mm -hmm. um so at that point he was like okay let's wean off of everything um and see how you feel so and how did it go since and it's been good it's been good definitely um 
I on, the only thing that I take now is during the winter I take amlodipine to help okay. um with like the cold. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I have been on no other medications, which is really cool. Wow. And it's That's a big incredible. step. <laughs> That's a huge step. Good for yeah. you. And did you did you notice any return of the symptoms or has it been pretty much status quo the last few years? Um, I did not really. Like I said, I have um like arthritis symptoms, mm-hmm. but I mean mm-hmm. my doctor had told me that you might just be like that forever. Like these are your Mm -hmm. joints. And so in that original um, research study I was in, when I went to see that um, rheumatologist in Pittsburgh, Mm -hmm. so she told me my results the next time I saw her, like what she was getting from my blood. And she Mm -hmm. said that apparently I have these antibodies that in another study, I guess um, some people had these antibodies and basically they had arthritis symptoms like once in remission um so obviously none of this is um it's just from her research yeah um it's not from like any other source or anything but she was like okay i think that once we're in remission you might only have these arthritis symptoms because that's what i'm gathering from these other people as well um so those are probably things that i'm never gonna get rid of but Mm -hmm. if that's as far as this goes in the future, yes. I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. That's amazing. That's amazing. And again, amazing how like you advocating for yourself allowed you to be in the position that you are now. And how mm-hmm. I think just the approach of your new doctor of saying, hey, let's let's talk about all the information and then let's work together and figure out, you know, this is what you want. Let's see if it if it works and we'll work together. And mm-hmm. like neither of you, of course, wanted things to get worse or have symptoms, but yeah, finding the right balance um, is yeah. so important. And maybe if you hadn't pushed so hard for it or asked about it at your first appointment, like who knows if you would have come off medicines or how long it would have taken, or, you know, mm-hmm. you may never know what it would be like. Yeah, so, definitely. Good for you. Good yeah. for you. Thanks. Has, Thanks. <laughs> has there been anything else other than the exercise part of CrossFit that you think has helped with your symptoms? Like, did you make any changes to your diet or any other changes to your lifestyle? Um, I did. So at first when I started CrossFit, I wasn't doing anything different diet wise. I was like Mm -hmm. eating the same way I always had. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I've tried a couple different things. So one year um, we had like a, I don't know if it was a new year thing, but they were like, okay, let's do some little nutrition class. And so in Mm -hmm. this nutrition class, we talked about like the CrossFit diet. And then Mm -hmm. we talked about the zone diet. And then I started doing that for a while. And then in like researching it a little more, I was seeing that a lot of rheumatologists were recommending like a zone type of Mm -hmm. diet to their patients and calling it an autoimmune diet. So Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. Um, If this can obviously affect like me kind of wanting to do it for vanity reasons, but also having it affect my health as well. Um, was really cool. And so I definitely noticed a difference doing that too. Um, Mm -hmm. That all around, like I just felt better. Um, So I did that for a while. And then since then, I followed like RP Strength um, Mm -hmm. for their nutrition, like their templates and their app. Mm -hmm. I've done that since. Um, And I just feel like I've gone from more of the mindset of 
oh, I'm doing this all for vanity and to look skinny. And now I'm kind of like, okay, I want to fuel my body so mm-hmm. I can do cool things with it. Yeah. Um, and like doing it for health and realizing like, okay, doing it for only reasons of like wanting to be skinny. I'm like, well, I would rather be healthy and not mm-hmm. be sick and in this position that I was in um, than be as skinny as possible. So I'm going to eat to fuel my body and mm-hmm. move and do all these other kinds of things. That's incredible. And such a huge mindset paradigm shift um, mm-hmm, when definitely. you go that direction. And did you um, t- ever try eliminating certain foods or foods that maybe um, you found that you don't do as well with or maybe provoke some of your symptoms? Um, so I actually, so I was seeing a GI doctor. Mm-hmm. So since then, just like for random GI mm-hmm. issues, and he was having me like eliminate dairy and okay, let's mm-hmm. see if you have celiac and all these other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did eliminate dairy when we were just trying to like figure out if that helped any of my symptoms at all. And it mm-hmm. did, but then I was like, well, I really like cheese and all these other yeah. things. So I, <laughs> I never like long-term did that. Um, yeah. but I think definitely just like eating more whole foods and like less mm-hmm. processed and, um, still eat sugar because it's yeah. delicious, but, yeah. um, trying to eliminate more processed things and eat more whole foods and cook more of my own foods. I definitely feel better too. Mm-hmm, so I think sure. that definitely has an effect on, um, like an inflammatory response. If you're eating a bunch of garbage mm-hmm. all the time, you're going to feel different. Absolutely. And I love what you said too. It's like, it's not all or nothing. It's about mm-hmm. like, like having the knowledge of knowing like, okay, dairy maybe has some impact on my symptoms, but I really like it. So I'm going to eat it sometimes. And, mm-hmm. you know, if things ever were to get really bad, you know, that that's something you can play with, but yeah, it's not like you have to be so strict about everything all the time. Yeah. Like you have to yeah. find the right balance for you. Definitely. And that. I think I've got a lot of ideas too. Um, mm-hmm. So when, since being in remission, I read this book called the autoimmune solution. I don't know if you've uh-huh. ever heard of it. Um, is that, it's a really is that Amy, Amy Myers. Amy or Myers. Or that, yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I read that book too. And as I'm going through it, she just, she talks about a lot of diet things and like how mm-hmm. she came up with her own um, autoimmune protocol to put herself in remission from her hypothyroid or hyperthyroid, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's what she now prescribes to her patients. So when I was in this whole thing of like wanting to do natural things and no medication, mm-hmm. I read this and I was like, Hey, I'm like, a lot of these things are really common sense that I guess maybe you just need someone else to tell you that you should be doing them to actually yeah. go and do it. Like where she talks about her diet, how she doesn't do dairy. She doesn't do um, like anything refined or processed mm-hmm. and talked about like sleep and stress and all mm-hmm. these other things and how like stress is going to create that inflammation in your body and is going to cause you to have symptoms. Yeah. Um, So I think too, just like doing as many things as possible to eliminate stress on your body, whether it's like mental stress or Mm -hmm. other things like putting garbage into your body is obviously Mm going to cause some kind of inflammatory response. So it was really cool um, what she had to say about her protocol too. And that I've tried to implement as well. I love that. I love that. Well, this is awesome. And some of the themes that I'm hearing that we keep talking about are one, just advocating for yourself. And then two, Mm -hmm. really taking things into your own hands and seeking out, you know, having, it sounds like you 
have had such a positive um, approach to it saying, you know, I'm going to take this in my own hands. I don't want to go through what I went through um, when my symptoms were really bad. So I'm going to seek out all these other things. I'm going to learn, you know, I'm going to read these books. I'm going to try CrossFit. I'm going to make some changes to my diet and learn what it is that works best for me. And so Mm -hmm. it's amazing to see you in such a good place now after having done that for so many years. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Before we wrap up, um, there's three questions I usually ask at the end of the podcast. So the first one is what are the three things that you do now on a regular basis that have the biggest positive impact on your health? Um, hmm. I think so preparing a lot of my own food as opposed Mm -hmm. to, um, like eating out and doing other things. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband always laughs at me like once a week, I'll go crazy in the kitchen and make up a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, okay, this is what you're eating the entire week. You're not yeah. going out to lunch. You're not doing any of this. <laughs> you're eating all of this stuff that I make. And uh-huh. reason for doing that is I want to make my own food, know what's going into my food. Um, mm-hmm. like I like to track what I eat as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so just being conscious of like what I'm putting into my body. Mm-hmm. Um, I think definitely has a positive impact. That's huge. Um, yeah. I like to make sure that I'm moving every day. Like whether it's, if I go to a CrossFit class, um, I have a membership at just another regular gym that's by my uh-huh. house. Um, that still has like all the equipment, like I can do everything I would do in a class at. Um, mm-hmm. so it's either I go to a class there or I go there and I find something to do, um, almost every day of the week, I just make sure mm-hmm. that I'm moving in some capacity and getting some kind of exercise just because it feels good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes me feel healthy. Yes. Um, and then healthy my and last one would probably be just like choosing the people that I surround myself with, like mm-hmm. whether it's um, my friends or like my partner, um, just finding people that have like similar interests and approaches to health. Um, Mm -hmm. And I mean, not necessarily saying everyone I hang out with has to think like CrossFit is cool. Um, Or it's just like friends that I know, like care about like exercising and taking care of their body Mm -hmm. um, and just have similar approaches that way. Um, And I think too, it's like in choosing my spouse as well, um, Mm -hmm. who also cares about those same kind of things um, has a positive impact on my health as well. I think it would be really hard to be with someone who's like, okay, let's eat cheeseburgers every night this week while you're trying to eat a good diet that's going to be good for your health and not cause inflammation in your body. Um, So just like being with people who support Mm -hmm. what I'm interested in helps a lot. That's so true. That's so true. I mean, I know they always say, you know, you are the product of the five people you spend the most time with. And Mm -hmm. I think that's true for everything in life, whether it's your mindset or your goals and ambitions or your health. Um, And Mm -hmm. so I think that's so, so true. And sometimes people, um, you know, may overlook the impact that that has. So that's amazing. Such good people around you who are, who are also like-minded. Very grateful. Is there one thing that you are working on or one thing you think would have a big impact on your health, but you haven't implemented it yet? I think finding a better balance <laughs> between <laughs> like stress and sleep yes, and all of those yes. things. So I work night shift. So oh, gosh, that's tough. it's, yeah. And it's hard to 
get adequate sleep and fit all of these things into your day. So it's like I get off a shift and I'm like, okay, well, I know that I need to sleep, but I also want to make sure that I work out before my shift and Mm -hmm. make sure I have time to prepare something good for Mm -hmm. my lunches so I don't eat garbage while I'm at work because things are just easy to access. Mm -hmm. Um, So I definitely have a hard time doing that. And sometimes I end up like, oh, I'm going to sleep five hours and then get up and Mm -hmm. go to the gym. And then I'm like, really, if I'm only sleeping five hours, Mm -hmm. going to the gym probably is not having that big of an impact on my health. Like I think sleep would really be better. Um, (laughs) But it's like finding that balance too. And when you work night Mm -hmm. shift too, I feel like you have FOMO about everything. You're like, well, I can't sleep because... I don't also want to miss out on these other things that are happening in life. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think I'm not doing well with balancing everything, but I'm trying very hard to. And I think if I tried a little harder, um, (laughs) I could figure it out. (laughs) Well, that's a huge challenge. I mean, night shift, I think, is probably one of the most difficult um, challenges to overcome when it comes to getting good sleep and and balancing, Mm -hmm. you know, recovery and all these other things that you're doing. So good for you for for recognizing that and working around it because that is not easy um i don't think i could do what you do it's rough um, <laughs> <laughs> what does a healthy life look like to you katie um so i would probably say um a life free of chronic disease or in my case um a life of remission mm-hmm. um So doing things that I can to decrease inflammation in my body so I don't end up where I was, what, nine years ago, because Mm -hmm. I know that I don't want to do that again. Um, And just trying to do everything that I can to stay away from that. And like, as far as like the people in my life, kind of, I kind of like preach healthy things and I'm really Mm -hmm. annoying about it sometimes. (laughs) I'm just like, guys chronic disease can be significantly reduced and maybe even prevented if you take care of yourself and you do these things. And I forget which episode, one of your podcast episodes, I forget who you were talking to. Um, And they were talking about like end stage renal failure and Mm -hmm. um, telling people to make these lifestyle changes that will like significantly improve their quality of life and their symptoms. And help their renal failure. I don't remember exactly Mm -hmm. what it was, but like that episode really spoke to me. And ever since I listened to that, that's what I've been telling people. I'm like, if you take care of yourself, you won't have these chronic diseases. Mm -hmm. And like, it's that simple. And it's just like preaching to people to put in the work, I guess, to make them care enough to do these things because everyone's like, oh, well, I can take medication for it. And I'm like, why would you take medication when you can make lifestyle changes to improve your health and decrease your inflammation and improve your quality of life. Mm-hmm. So it would well, be that a life awesome. free of chronic disease. <laughs> yes. Well, preach it, sister. I love it. <laughs> we need more people talking about it. And you're a living example of it. I mean, it's an, an example of how it's not easy, right? Like it's hard work, but yeah, like everything definitely. you're doing, going to the gym, meal prepping, spending so much time trying to balance, your night shift and your work and your family and friends with sleep and recovery. I mean, it's not easy, but you're a living example of how when you put that work in and you care about it, you can have mm-hmm. a huge impact on your health and your symptoms and not have to be on medications for life. So yeah. thank you for being the example of this <laughs> um, and for, for sharing your story here and for 
preaching it to other people because this is so important. And it's just great to see you doing so well, even though you encountered so many challenges from a young age. And, you know, I think it would be easy for people, someone like you to get caught up in that and think that, gosh, this is just what it's going to be for the rest of my life and, and lose hope. But you really took it in your own hands and it's great to see you thriving. Thank you. It feels good. Definitely. Yes. Well, this was awesome. Thank you again for being with me and sharing your story. And I'm so excited for everyone to hear and hopefully be as inspired as I am. Awesome. Thank you for having me. This is so fun. <laughs> yes. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you or someone you know has a story to share on a future episode of Pursuing Health, please write me at info at pursuing-health.com. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, please also consider subscribing and giving it a five-star rating on iTunes. It really does help to get the word out to more people.